We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com. Here today, again, with Bears insider Aaron Lemming, talking about a Bears loss. And like you said before the podcast, kind of coming back to reality. How are you feeling after this one? <laughs> well, if they say, again, like this is just, <laughs> it's just that time, man. I mean, it's it's like, do we do we really, like, can, can, can we just talk the Bears and then just maybe like forfeiting the last two games? I I don't know, man. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the. It's like a roller coaster ride every single week, and I think we kind of talked about it last week. But it's like, I mean, how can you come out? Granted, the Bengals look awful against the Vikings too, but it's like, how can you come out looking that good against the Bengals, and then just revert completely back to what you've been doing? It just, I don't know. It's 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 just annoying. It's like we got two more games until John Fox is gone, but it, man, these last two games are gonna suck. Well, I think it it, it was clear after uh, Saturday's game that, you know, the Bengals game was the anomaly here. I mean, what we've seen throughout the season is, is, you know, is the real thing. And that's what, you know, we saw uh, on Saturday against the Bengals. We saw, you know, I think the defense overall played fairly well. This is the, I think the Lions came into the game ranked fifth in points scored, almost 27 points a game they were putting up. Uh, and, the, and the and the defense held them to only 20 points, forced a turnover. I didn't think they played horribly. They got to Matthew Stafford four times, got four sacks, uh, weren't weren't able to get any interceptions. But I mean, 20 points that on the road that that should be enough to keep you in the game. But the offense, man, just again, uh, and it, you know it's a broken record. We keep talking about this inept offense and how they just cannot get it together. And I think we talked last week about how Trubisky played his best game against the Bengals and how he was really taking, you know, we thought he was finally starting to take that step forward and progress forward. And I thought he really took a major step backward 
uh, in this football game. You know, the, you look you look at the numbers. He ended up uh, having to throw the ball what forty six times, which uh, is the most of any uh, in any game this season so far. With he ended up with three hundred and fourteen yards. Uh, most of most of the season as well, but he also had three crucial interceptions. Uh, he came out second play of the second half. Bears were, uh, I think, done thirteen three at half. Does that sound right? Yeah, it was thirteen three. Yeah, and then uh, you know I think second play of the half was an interception. Uh, second, I think it was a third play of the fourth quarter. He had driven the Bears into uh, to the to the five yard line of the Detroit Lions and threw just a horrible pass. Uh, for another interception to a, double, a guy who was double covered, he had no business throwing that pass. I don't know how you couldn't see the safety in that situation. And then his final pass uh, just finished off the game. You know, so obviously his worst game. I mean, sixty-six passer rating. Uh, you know, protection wasn't great, uh, but he was only sacked twice. Uh, you know, your thoughts on his performance? I, I, I think you know it, Saturday was an interesting day, especially on Twitter because. It, it's like a lot of a lot of fans right now are afraid to say when Trubisky has a bad game because they're they're afraid that if they say it that somehow Trubisky's going to turn into a bust. Here's the thing, okay? Trubisky's had an up and down rookie season. I would classify it as very very average, if not maybe a little bit below average. I think a lot of it has to do with the coaching staff, but I also think we're seeing how raw he is and probably why Ryan Pace didn't want to start him. With that being said, it. It is what it is. I mean, we, we, we saw last year, and this is this is what's starting to really kind of blow my mind a little bit, is we saw last year where guys like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff struggled, especially Jared Goff. Jared Goff looked awful all of last year. Trubisky has had a better rookie year. You can look at his numbers. You can go back. You can watch both of them. Trubisky has had a better rookie year than Jared Goff. And for people to sit here and have this revisionist history, I've seen this a few times, you know, well, Jared Goff looked like, you know, he was ready to go coming into the season. No, everybody had written Jared Goff off last year. And and all of a sudden, you know, they get this, they get this, get this coach, this coaching, coaching staff, uh, you know, they all these things go right for them. They're playing really well. I mean, and it's, you know, football's not played in vacuum, but I guess what I'm saying is there's a lot of parallels between what, what the Rams did last year coming into this year and what the Bears can do next year. And, and you, you look at what Trubisky did uh, this game, and he was he, – I mean, there's really no other way to put it. He was wildly inaccurate at really bad times. He made some bad decisions, and he had a bad game. It, it definitely wasn't his worst game because the, the Philadelphia game was by far his worst game. I think it probably you know ranked number two, number three on that list. But here's the thing. He's going to have bad games. Uh, you know, the, the receivers aren't you know getting open. He But, but, but the biggest thing here is his, his mechanics from a week-to-week perspective – are so inconsistent and a lot of that is on coaching but a lot of that I mean I understand he's working he's doing this he's doing that but that is something that has got to be number one on the priority list moving into this options and got to get it under control is the same thing with golf same thing for once for you know for you know I'd say probably a smaller portion but it's something that can be fixed. It's not something that people need to worry about. But at the same time, Bears fans need to understand there's nothing wrong with calling him out for having a bad game, saying that he had a bad game. He admits it. It's not, you know, saying he had a bad game does not make him a bust. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be excited moving into the future. But, I mean, you you can't – this whole grading on a curve thing, uh, you know, I understand it to a certain extent. But you, you, you've got to be fair in the evaluations. And really, okay, you know, you can cite me the numbers. He threw for 300 yards. He still had the – I think it was like what a sixty-eight percent, you know, uh, completion rating or whatever it was. But the the fact is, he had a bad game. Okay, it, it is what it is. If he has another good, you know, if he has a good game this week, cool, whatever. But 
I mean, ultimately, you know, you're just looking for certain things. He he had some flashes, you know, but this is a learning experience. I mean, we all kind of knew that when he took over, the Bears weren't very good. Their offense is awful. I mean, you look at the receivers, uh, the offensive line. I mean, they had another two guys go out with injury yesterday. It just it is what it is at this point. And, you know, the, the overreactions from a week to week perspective, I'm not going to call out anybody, but I think a lot of people know who I'm talking about when we see these these articles one week. Oh, yeah, Trubisky's really making a lot of progress and you know he's going to be really good in the next week well did ryan pace screw up by drafting him it's like you know don't buy into that stuff it's it's a week-to-week thing but overall you know at the end of the year let's look back let's see how it goes and either way even if even if you know you go back and you look at things and there's a lot of things to work on the coaching staff is going to be a huge part of this moving forward so just you know i i understand everybody wants to overreact on week-to-week basis you know jimmy garoppolo is looking good whatever but the fact is, is you know, he's in a bad situation. The coaching situation's not good. His receiving situation's not good. He's a guy with 13 starts coming out of college. Uh, you know, it is what it is. It well, just, I, I it agree. is what it is. I agree with the, the fact that coaching has a lot to do with this, and I think I, I, I also agree with the fact that that there's issues that I see. Uh, and, and I saw it even during the Bengals game. I mean, his his fundamentals, his technique, he gets away with. Uh, throws where you know these amazing throws where he throws off his back foot on the run and you you know you see that potential but then you also see him get happy feet you see him uh you know throw with poor technique doesn't step into his throws doesn't follow through properly and you see uh, especially on saturday you saw a lot of balls uh sail high and and, uh you know i think uh, two of the interceptions were passes that were just thrown over the receiver's heads and the third one was just thrown into right right to a defender so um you know, I think that's and that's the, the the problem with the coaching staff right now. And I think if you look at Dow Loggins' history, he had, uh, you know, he ne- he never did anything for Jay Cutler's uh, footwork or any his mechanics or, or anything like that. I mean, you know, his time with uh, um, uh, Johnny Football, it's it's not like that went well. You know, it's not like Dow Loggins has this great history of developing mechanics. So I think you're right. If you get the right coaching staff in, or the right uh, quarterbacks coach, or the right offensive coordinator, uh, those things can be resolved. But I think those are issues right now. I think, and I, I, you know, his the fact that he's not developing in that area just means that he's kind of stagnating. He's still going to come into next season the player that he is right now. And I, I, I think the 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 experience he's getting, he's going to be able to build off of that. But I do think that. Uh, you know he's he's gotten a little bit better this year, but I think whatever the new coaching staff coming in, they're basically getting the same player that that that, that the Bears got you know at the beginning of this season. And I think you know he the, the like I said the experience will do him well, but I'm not seeing progress in terms of the small things, the fundamentals. I do see him working through his reads, and there were a couple of times during this game where I did uh, during the Saturday game where I did see I think he got almost to his third or his fourth read. So you do see progress in those areas but the but the physical things the fundamental things the technique things those uh aren't aren't getting any better and um you know that's that's on the coaching staff like you mentioned another area that i think uh is a little bit surprising is his inability to really be elusive at all with his legs and and make things happen i i really expected a lot more out of him i mean he does have over 200 uh, rushing yards on the season so it's not like you, you know he's uh philip rivers out there but uh over the last uh four games he hasn't rushed for more than 20 yards eight total rushing yards the last two games um 
you know, and he's just not being able to get get out of the, of the rush and 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 get away from defenders in in the same manner that you see some of these other real elusive quarterbacks. Even you know, like guys you mentioned, Carson Wentz. Um, you know, I expected a little bit more in that area. So I think there there's another uh, area in which some more help, some uh, you know, a, a quarterback approach can help him develop some more awareness in the pocket, and uh, you know, help him identify run la- running lanes and how to get out of the pocket quicker and when to get out of there. Um, I think that's all going to help, but I don't think that's that's being done right now at a, at, at a sufficient level for a quarterback uh, who, like you mentioned, only had 13 starts in in, at, uh, in college. So those are I, I don't think, like you said, I think a lot of that can be resolved, but it's not being taken care of right now, and that's my biggest issue. And you know, I, I think right now when you when you, when you look at this whole entire situation, I think this is another thing we can talk about, kind of with Ryan Pace is you know that. This is this was a mistake moving moving into the season. This was this was a complete mistake having guys like John Fox and and Dow Loggins and people like that who who have really never developed. Okay, you know, cool. They had some success with Mac Barkley for a little bit last year. Brian Hoyer looked all right, but this is kind of one of the things. That, and, and we talked about it too that when you get a rookie quarterback, when you put the you know, the investment of a rookie quarterback, especially that high in the draft, I, I think you you have to have the right situation. And I mean, it's very evident, and it's weird because I saw like two or three people making an argument coming into this week about how the Bears need to keep Dow Loggins for you know for continuity's sake with Trubisky. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Who said that? Who said that? I think Adam Johns was one of them. Uh, he oh. he wrote an article about basically you know the the pros and cons behind it. And there was a few other people, and I'm just sitting there looking at. Them, I'm like, "What are you? What? What are you talking about? Like, you can't have one game against a bad team like the Bengals, uh, completely wipe out the whole entire rest of it." Like you said, the thing is, is he's not making enough progress, and and I would say it's not like a you know he's not showing it at all. It's like it's it's spots where he's he shows it, but there's more spots where he's not, and uh, the consistency factor is what. I really think is is a concern, and it's not really a well. It could be a long term concern, but it's more of like, why? How is an NFL coaching staff not being able to do more with him? I mean, it's almost like a. I mean, you really look like I said. There's a lot of parallels to what the Rams did last year with Jared Goff and what what's going on this year with Trubisky, and I mean, it just almost down to a T. I mean, you watch a lot of what Goff did last year versus what Trubisky's doing this year, and it is. It is amazing how similar these two situations are. I mean, the offensive coordinator was in over his head last year. Jeff Fisher's that old school guy that wants to run the ball and you know wants to put his quarterback in weird situations and really has no interest in developing him. I mean, it's almost a, it's almost a, like I said, an identical situation. But I mean, it it has to be resolved. I mean, after these two games, it has to be resolved. You have to get the right guy. In. Well, and I think that it has to. St- I mean, even if. Even if somehow, which isn't going to happen, but if you know that point zero zero one percent chance that John Fox is going to keep his job actually happens and he is around next year, that has to start with getting rid of Loggins. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to rip on anybody for their opinions, but my opinion is that Dow Loggins is a major, major factor in the reason that 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 uh, you know this offense has not been able to keep up. You know, the defense for its most for the most part has 
played well enough to keep the Bears in almost every game, and the offense has just been horrible. I mean, you just look at this game against a Lions defense that I think was ranked 28th overall. I mean, we talked about it in the podcast last week about how bad this defense was pretty much in every area, and the Bears' first four drives, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure here, I'm going to the game book, Bears' first four drives ended up in a punt, and then they got that... Uh, uh, field goal handed to them right right at the end of the, the first half um, on that fumble. Uh, they come out, Trubisky throws an interception on the second drive, then they punt again. So those were their first basically five, or I'm sorry, six drives, ended up in five punts and an interception, and then, then the interception on the next drive. So that's, <laughs> I mean, that's... It's you know yes Trubisky had a rough game but that's to me either an offensive players who have given up or an offensive coordinator who just can't get it together and to me I've seen so much of it from under Dow Loggins that I I think it's more on him than it is on the players and when you you know and I don't want to make excuses for injuries but yeah getting banged up as much as they did up front they lost Josh Sitton. Um, then I think it was Tom Compton who went down. You ended up with uh, Hirona Strasu on the field, and that is just a recipe for disaster every time that happens. So I understand that uh, you know it wasn't the best situation. Jordan Howard he had a rough game. Um, looking looking up his stats right now, um, you know it's been up and down for him the entire season. Eight, I'm sorry, uh, ten rushes for 37 yards. Now this is the third time in the last four games that he's rushed for 38 yards or less. You know he had that really good game last year um but but, you know without that rushing support and you know and what happened to Dontrell Inman I mean when Kendall Wright all of a sudden has become you know the number one guy in this offense Josh Bellamy is getting more reps than almost anybody at wide receiver yeah Bellamy's out there getting two he got called for two uh illegal blocks in the game so I I, you know I don't Dontrell Inman was your guy where did he go all of a sudden he got two targets in the game Kendall Wright and Josh Bellamy combined for 20 targets in that contest I so I don't you know, you're out, you're, you're Adam Shaheen, who wasn't able to play. You obviously don't have Zach Miller. Deion Sims really isn't a, a receiving guy. So you're, you don't have that option down the seam. Why are you relying on Josh Bellamy and Kendall Wright? Again, that goes back to Dow Log. And so, uh, you know, not it's, it's just, I agree with you. Don't overreact to Trubisky. Uh, I, I, there are some concerning things that I'm seeing right now, but I do believe that they can all be cor- corrected. But I don't, I, I think any overreaction to uh, Loggins is, is completely justified at this point. And after two seasons, this is how I felt about Mel Tucker. After two seasons of Mel Tucker, I feel the exact same way about Dow Loggins just on the other side of the football. And then this guy just is in way over his head and needs to make, maybe take a step down and, and not have as much you know weight on his shoulders. Uh, if 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 Don Loggins gets an offensive coordinator job anywhere in the NFL after this year, I'd be shocked. And and, and if it happens in Chicago, I'll, I'll probably quit my job. Yeah, I I'm, I'm I, I just you you look at the game and you look at I think a lot of this just stinks of bad coaching because and I can't remember who it was. Somebody tweeted out like as soon as the Bears went down three nothing, everybody's like, well, this isn't good because every single time the Bears seem to get down for the most part, they they panic, especially offensively. I mean. You look at the defense, and I've I've been pretty critical of Vic Fangio just because of his style, and I, I feel like he's I, I think he's a good defensive coordinator, but I think a lot of people, a lot of Bears fans, 
treat him, uh, you know, put him on maybe a higher level than he really is. But I mean, ultimately, here's a here's a fact: the Bears' defense played well. I think they had a few few opportunities where they could have got off the field. Thing is, they gave up 20 points to a high-scoring offense. Uh, you know, did pretty well. But you look at, I mean, just looking at the, you know, well, the overall also, box. I, I want to throw in there that they had a lot of ticky-tack fouls on the defense, <laughs> especially early in that game that really allowed some of those Lions drives to continue. So I think that hurt them as well. I think they played better uh, th- than even the scoreboard indicates. So go yeah. ahead. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. But, I mean, you, you look at the offensive side and you look at the box score, Trubisky throws it 46 times. I, I'm, You know what, man, I'm cool. Like, you want to throw the ball 35 times a game, fine. But, you know, you get you get in these situations where basically it's like the score and the situations are dictating the Bears to do whatever. They ran the ball 15 times. Like, how can you come out and say, oh, yeah, we're a run-first team? And then Jordan Howard, I mean, I get it. Jordan Howard struggled to get going. But, uh, you know, Tree Cohen had two rushes for one yard. Jordan Howard had 10, 10 rushes for 37 yards. Trubisky had two rushes for three yards. They had 15 rushes for 43 yards total. And you, you brought up a good point about Dontrell Edmond. Where's Dontrell Edmond been? He has one catch in five yards in the last two games. Do you, and and I, do you, do you realize that my, Michael Burton had more rushing yards than Tariq Cohen did yesterday? <laughs> it's crazy. It just, it, But it's like the inconsistencies from week to week to week with this team. It's like you just don't know what you're going to get. I think we all expected the Bears to come out and lay some sort of egg just because that's what they do. But it's like you watch, okay, even the Packers game. I think the Packers game is a prime example. You watch Aaron Rodgers come out. He threw three interceptions. And granted, he threw two more touchdowns than Trubisky. But Aaron Rodgers didn't look good yesterday. But somehow the Packers pretty well hung into that game. They had a chance to tie it at the end. And I think you just see the combinations of different teams around the league. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a much better quarterback right now than Trubisky. That's not the point I'm making. But you look at the you look at good teams that have good coaching. And then you look at a team like the Bears, and it's like, the situations are constantly dictating how they coach, what decisions they make, and it should not be that way. I mean, Dow Loggins has said it multiple times where basically, you know, whatever whatever the defense is doing, if there's, you know, w- whatever they're doing, that's dictating what the Bears are doing on offense. And it's like that to me just blows that's, my that, mind. Yeah, that's nonsense. And I, I, I've heard him say that too. I think Dow Loggins is to the point where all he can do is make excuses. You know, I mean, what else? Uh, we, we see that the proof is in the pudding. I mean, we see it every damn week. So uh, what else can he do? And that's that's what, you know, Mel, even Mel Tucker kind of stood up there and took it a little bit better than than uh, Loggins has. But, you know, I think that that's, you, you know, you can't, you can't defend what's going on out there anymore. And I think just from a personnel standpoint, and getting back to Dontrell Inman, he has, over the last three games, three catches for uh, 26 yards. And this was after he came in, and I think he led the team in receiving his first three games. His first game, six catches, 88 yards. Uh, two weeks later, four catches, 64 yards. Got a touchdown in Week 13 against San Francisco. I mean, he's, in my opinion, and you know, in the opinion of most who who are just have two eyeballs and a brain, know that he's probably your best wide receiver. Why? Why is Kendall Wright and Josh Bellamy all of a sudden your top two guys? Why is what 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 world am I living in here? I mean, this is what is is so insane, just from a personnel standpoint. I mean, we're not talking about even play calling or anything like that. I mean, just from a pure personnel standpoint, why are these guys the top two guys that you're throwing to? And Dontrell Inman gets two targets and one catch for five yards in that game. He didn't get anything last week. So I mean, maybe I I don't I, I don't know I don't I don't have an excuse anymore. I I, I mean it, it it has to be in my mind 
this all comes back to coaching and I know injuries and I know, uh, uh, you know, the so things that, you know, if they had Cam Meredith out there, it might be different. If they still had Zach Miller, it might be different. But um, this is really a, situ- a no-win situation for Trubisky. And I, and I, and I think you're correct in, in, in not overreacting to him too much at this point and, you know, really putting the blame on the coaching staff and, you know, just really – and we were talking about it before the draft or, or before we came out of this podcast – do you think it'll be Monday or Tuesday? Are we two weeks? Because we're recording this on Monday. Are we two weeks away from John Fox being fired? Or are we two weeks and a day away from John Fox being fired? I think we're two weeks away. And this kind of feeds into this is Greg Gabriel. I don't know if you saw this yesterday. The pro, the former, I think it was what the the scouting director of scouting or whatever he he tweeted out yesterday, and it was I just died laughing. Uh, this kind of goes with the head coaching thing that. That apparently Dow Lockins has been walking through the halls of Howell's Hall telling people that he believes that he's going to be the head coach in 2018 of the Chicago Bears. You know, I saw that and I... I, I Are you if, kidding me? If, it's, if that is true, then that is... Uh, that's... That's somebody who's on a different planet, really. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand how you make that... What, you, you, you're expect, you're expecting to get something that you haven't earned. <laughs> you know what I mean. You're you're definitely not on the same planet as everybody else. And I, I don't know. I can't confirm if that's true or not. But man, that just just kind of tells you the the craziness. You know that's going on up there at House Hall. Yeah, I, I it's like man, if if you really believe that, like not only should you not be an NFL offensive coordinator, like you probably need to spend some time in a mental facility. Like <laughs> that is just that is delusions. That what? is just delusions of grandeur. I don't even know what to say about what? that. Like how can you possibly believe that? How, well, let's stick on Do- Loggins for a second, and then we'll get past him because we've re- we've really beat him over the head this year. Um, he deserves it. Well, I, yeah, that's true. Um, Yesterday, I, I've noticed that we we've discussed a, a, a bit in the past about his predictability in the offense, and uh, especially on first down. There's been a lot written out there and talked about and discussed about how the Bears are very predictable on first down. And I've noticed that Loggins, over, at least over the last few games, has tried to get away from that pattern on first down. But the problem is he's transferred that pattern over to second down, and it, it has become so obvious to me i mean every time the bears are in a second and six seven or eight situation i pretty much can guarantee they are going to run the football yesterday so here's here's what happened yesterday second down uh first second and six jordan howard no gain second and eight jordan howard one yard second and ten treat cohen no gain second and six jordan howard two yards and then they had a second and one where they went for it, and he got two yards. So that's justifiable right there. Coming out of the second and a half, um, second and ten, Jordan Howard for two yards. Second and seven, Jordan Howard for one yard. And then everything after that was just garbage time, bunch of passing. So I don't really, I didn't really look beyond that. But that was when the game was still fairly in hand. And every single second down situation that wasn't longer than ten yards, they ran the football, and Jordan Howard got nothing. I mean, the bank. Uh, I'm sorry, the Lions knew. What was coming every I knew it watching the game. What was coming every single time, and again, that goes back to a coaching uh, a, a play caller who just you know, cannot either design or uh, you know he, he obviously can't outthink anybody. You know, so it's just really <clears throat> a matter of getting him out of here, getting John Fox, who again punted. Where did he pump from? His own forty-five yard line, fourth and inches, uh, when the game was still close. 
uh, you're four. I mean, at that point, they were four and nine. It's like, dude, you gotta, you know, grow a sack and go for it. I mean, I can't. How how many times this year has he been in a situation where, if you're Bill Belichick, you go for it. You know, you 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 look at the percentages and you say, hey, let's go for it. Let's let's put the onus on our team. Let's put the trust in our guys to do this. And he consistently punts and and takes the easy way out. I mean, wouldn't you like a head coach who at least has some guts? Yeah, well, you know, but it's it's funny because and I tweeted this out because that whole that that whole entire situation that worked out. So the Bears are like four, like you said, fourth and inches on their own forty five yard line, and they're four and nine. So instead of going for it because you have nothing else to lose, they punt the ball. So they punt the ball because they're trying to pin them, you know, pin the Lions back field position, blah blah. Then they get a good punt return. And then I think they, there was like a penalty or whatever, but here it is. So you got a third and 18 situation for the Lions. And instead of the Lions saying, oh, whatever, we're just going to hand the ball off, play field position, blah, blah. Matthew Stafford rolls out, gets a big play, throws it downfield, hits Marvin Jones for a huge gain on a, a ball that and, really and, Eddie Jackson that, probably should have had something to do with. But That was on third and 18, remember? Yeah, that's what I'm, and that's, that's what I'm saying. So you got... And and keep in mind that Jim Caldwell is a guy that they're talking like if the if the Lions don't make the playoffs or win the majority of their you know the last few games this was put out last week that he's probably going to be out of the job. So you're talking about a guy who's at least willing to take chances, who's had I think this is his third winning season for the Lions, you know with the Lions, and you got a you got a team like the Lions who used to be the joke of the NFL that is saying okay well if you don't get us to the playoffs or at least show you know progress and we're going to fire you. And then we're sitting here looking at the Bears with a conservative approach like John Fox. It's like if that doesn't show you why John Fox needs to go and why there's so much wrong with this organization that needs to be fixed, I don't know what does. Because, well, I mean, third and 18, like you said, and they throw that bomb. And, I mean, that was a huge play in the game. That really that really changed things around. Well, I, I also think that if you, you have to start looking at discipline uh, <clears throat> on the football field, you know the Bears were penalized 13 times yesterday. I mean, the game got the first first damn play of the game. Eddie Goldman gets a personal foul penalty for basically punching uh, Dahl in the face. You know, right after the play. You know, all of a sudden, next thing you know, they had a good run stop on first down. Next thing you know, Lions have the ball at the 40 at their own 40 yard line, second play of the game. I mean, uh, you had the an offensive line. And I wrote it down here. Offensive line, uh, Leno had a holding call. Grassou had a holding call. Whitehair was called for hands to the face. And Josh Bellamy had two two illegal blocks uh, that, that had plays called back. And the biggest the biggest penalty in my mind, and poor Tariq Cohen. I mean, the guy continues to make plays in every which way and just has a, somehow finds a way to have them all called back. Um, <clears throat> had another one, 90-yard kickoff return. The game was only thirteen nothing at that point. That would have put the ball at the twelve yard line. Bears could have, you know, gotten within a within a, easily gotten within uh, one touchdown in that situation. Call back uh, on a, on a holding call by uh, DeAndre Houston Carson that he didn't even need to make. I mean, I, 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 that moved the ball back to the Bears ten yard line. So the Bears went from Detroit's twelve yard line to uh their own 10 yard that's a huge that's a huge penalty that's like the biggest penalty i've ever heard of so it's like you, you know you get these un every week we see these uh you know the bears just shoot we've said it over and over they shoot themselves in the foot and the bears say they admit to it after every game about you know having to be more disciplined and, and having to not you know hurt themselves and beat themselves and yet they come out and they do it every week and it's like 
you know, it's great to say you're sorry, but, you know, eventually do something about it, you know, I, and you don't see it. And again, I think that falls on the coaching staff. I think there's leadership and talent on this team, but I don't think that it that exists in the coaching staff. So I, I think if Ryan Pace is trying to stick around for another season and he's if he's going to get an opportunity to uh, hire his second head coach, He's got to get it right, and he's got to get a, a guy who knows how to get a decent staff in here. You know, you know, he know. Just get an offensive guy who, I mean, if you've built, you obviously clearly in your last draft built around the offense. You've built around your quarterback. This is Trubisky's team, and you know, if you can just support him with a with a solid defense and solid players around him, if Trubisky, like we've talked about, if he's the real deal, everything will be fine. So you 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 uh, you pin your future on this guy. So get a guy who can either, if it let's say it's Dave Tobe. I mean, get you would think that Dave Tobe would know who to get as a good offensive coordinator. I don't I don't necessarily think you have to go. Your offense or your head coach needs to be the next up and coming offensive coordinator. I don't think that necessarily needs to be the case. He just needs to know how to find the right guy to call plays. That was the, I mean, and this is it's. I feel like we've been I've been talking about this for. 15, 17 years because this was always the case with Love. That's that's the reason Lovey Smith got fired. The Bears probably should have won, been to at least two, three Super Bowls during Lovey Smith's time. But he's throwing some of the worst offensive coordinators in the league out there, and you know it eventually got him fired. I mean, when you got, I mean, when you're giving Terry Shea and. Mike Tice opportunities. I mean, you're bringing back Mike Martz. I mean, Lovey Smith, he had one of the best defense. I mean, that run of the, the Bears defense had for about eight years there under Lovey Smith was unreal. And they were only able to get uh, to, to one Super Bowl uh, and, and couldn't pull it off. I mean, they had so much talent on that team. And they, they just couldn't ever get it together on offense. And now we're here in that same situation. So, like I said, just it doesn't have to be the next... Uh, offensive-minded head coach, get, get the best head coach possible, but just make sure he knows how to hire a good offensive coordinator. I agree 100%. And I know it's, you know, this is like revisionist history and, you know, whatever, but I, I think that Bears fans need to kind of open their minds up. And this is just from some of the research that I've been doing on some of the candidates in terms of, I know, and trust me, I'm I, I'm a big fan of some of the the young stud offensive coordinators out there. You know, even the quarterbacks coach for Philadelphia, like John DiFilippo. I mean, there's there's a lot of attractive names out there in terms of offensive minded guys. But like you just pointed out, I mean, Dave Tobe is one of those guys who, although I think he's going to go to Indy, I think he's somebody. Man, he's been in the league so long, and and you know, being a special teams guy, I, I think that he could bring in the right coordinators and and, and make the right moves and. That would be a good move. But I think when you go back and you look, I think a lot of people are focused on these young guys that have never had a shot before. You know, oh, we don't want another retread. But I think you just got to look at each candidate and look at the Jaguars, for example, last year. Right. Okay, so the Jaguars have always been kind of that team like every year, you know, everybody's, oh, yeah, they're going to be so much better this year because of what they do in free agency and and things that never come together for them. Then a guy like Doug Marone, who. I thought was doing really good and with the bills. And then he just kind of said, okay, you know, he, he opted out of his contract and took whatever job he could. Cause he just didn't want to be in uh, with the bills anymore. And a lot of people over overlooked him for a while. And then he takes over the Jaguars and the Jaguars have been phenomenal this year, man. Their defense has been awesome. I mean, Todd Washer, defensive coordinators, all of a sudden, you know, a head coaching candidate. And I mean, they're about to be in the playoffs. They're about to win their division. And they I, I guess resurrected my whole entire, 
Blake Bortles out of nowhere this year. Exactly, and that's the thing is you you look at what they have, and they I mean outside okay yeah they've added some free agent talent okay but you look at what they had this year versus last year for the most part outside of a few pieces it's mostly the same. My whole entire point is is you get guys like Pat Shermer for example who failed with the the, the Cleveland Browns who who hasn't. You know, but he's one of those guys that could make a lot of sense. And you look at some of these other, you know, these other candidates out there who may not be as offensive minded or may not, you know, whatever it may be. I guess my whole entire point is for Bears fans is as this head coaching thing, you know, progresses and, you know, like Jeremy asked, you know, whether that be Monday or Tuesday after the season ends, you know, just keep an open mind. I know there's going to be a lot of young studs out there. There's probably going to be seven or eight teams looking for head coaches. So there's going to there's going to be a market, but there's also going to be some competition. And like last year, I know a lot of people keep saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, Sean McVay was, you know, there's not a Sean McVay this year. Well, you know, if you go back to the last year and you really look, not a lot of people had had an eye on Sean McVay. A lot of people looked at Sean McVay higher and they're like, wait, what? What, what are they doing? He's, he's 31 or 32 years old. Like, this is kind of a weird hire than they – then they got uh, Wade Phillips, and I, I think that's a big key here is you want to get a head coach, obviously, that has has the mind to be able to develop Trubisky, but you also want a head coach that's actually a head coach. It's not just focused on one one side or the other, but the biggest thing is he's got to bring in the right coordinators, and that's a big key, so and that, just keep and that in mind. And that was the, big, the biggest disappointment, I think, with John Fox is that he came in with the reputation of being able to do that. I mean, he did in the first – I mean, he brought in Fangio, Adam Dace, uh, you know, seemed to have turned, the, turned around the offense – uh, while he was here, they looked probably the best they have in a long time while Gase was here. I mean, it seemed to be, and then, you know, he makes this horrible decision that, you know, was reminiscent of moving Mike Mike Tice into uh, Mike Martz's shoes when Martz retired, you know, for the, like, you know, quote-unquote continuity on offense when you with the guy who just wasn't ready for the position and that derailed, you know, a potentially good season. Uh, I, you know, I, I, that's what, to me, has been so disappointing with Fox, and it's just another reason why I think we're, we're 14 days away from, uh, you know, the hammer coming down and it being a real big, busy day for me at Hallis Hall. Uh, you know, I think that the, everything we've talked about this week, uh, you know, or, or, or in this podcast is, is really a coaching thing. And I think you are absolutely right in terms of getting getting the right guy. I mean, you look at, you know, Dan Quinn, uh, you know, Peterson in, in, in uh, Philadelphia, McVeigh. It, you know, make sure you, you do it right. Don't get some retread. If you hire Jeff Fisher, I, <laughs> I mean, what? I'll lose my mind. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't. Don't get some retread uh, guy who's who uh, might had success ten years ago. You know what I mean? Like find the right guy this time. Do it correctly because you haven't done it right since you fired Lovey Smith. The, the last two head coaches have been disastrous. And the results have been in the in the win loss column. If you and, and it's been shown, we've talked about it over and over. You keep talking about the Rams. You get the right coaching staff in there. You can do it correctly. And I want to talk about real, real fast. And I don't think I don't know if I've ever told this on the podcast. I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast. But you know, you if you make that mistake, I mean, this is this is such a crucial decision that if you make that mistake, another mistake here. If Ryan Pace does, this is going to impact the team. In the same manner that it impacted the team when uh, Phil Emery decided to pass on um, Bruce Arians, think about the repercussions 
of that decision to, to hire Mark Tressman over Bruce Arians that John Fox has never even heard. We've never even heard of John Fox outside. You know, we're, we're, we've never even mentioned John Fox in a podcast. You know what I'm talking about? Think about the repercussions of this. And I want to, <laughs> for those who don't know the story, uh, Phil Emery decided that one of the uh, qualifications for uh, getting the job, it was down to uh, Daryl Bevel, uh, Bruce Arians and, and Tressman, uh, when it the final three, and in order to get the to, to decide who was more most qualified, he had the each one of them uh, perform a, a mock press conference in the big uh, uh, auditorium at Hallis Hall, basically in front of all the uh, Bears employees. You know, it wasn't open to the media. This was just a mock, and like all the employees were given questions to to ask him and. Don't do that again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if that's your criteria for a head coach, then you know maybe if you're Ted Phillips and that's and you see your GM going down that path, stop it. You know, don't don't let it go three years. You know what I mean? Like, get it get it right this time. If you screw this up, you're going to be screwing it, screwing the team. Over. I mean, we're going to be having the same damn podcast in the next three years. You know, and then we're at three years from now. We're going to be talking about the new next up and coming, up and coming head coaches because nothing's going to change if they don't get this right. It's this is. I mean, we've now come to this point. You know, we're talking about a four and ten team. Uh, you know, they could lose to the Browns this week. It, it could be. I mean, it, it, it's just gotten to that point. You know, it's to, to the point that it got when, when Tressman was here. So, uh, you know, the, now we're at the point where hey, this is the biggest decision that the GM Brian Pace has ever made. You know, this isn't about a first-round draft pick or Kevin White getting injured. This is the biggest decision that he's ever going to have to make. If you get it right, and if you did get it right with Trubisky, and I think he did, if you get this right, you can have a long career in here in Chicago. You know, you you can you can be here for a decade. If you screw this up, you're gone. Like uh, within a year, probably. Maybe you know you might get two, but you're ba- you know you're you're you will have a short-lived time left in Chicago. So I cannot just stress the importance of uh, the decision that's upcoming. And, and you know, you, you, I don't, we'll, we'll get in the next few podcasts, we'll get into some of the names and, and who, who our favorites are and all the, and the qualifications and whatnot. But I, if one of the qualifications is giving a mock press conference at the Hallis, at Hallis Hall, please, please, please get, get them out the door before things, you know, spiral out of control like they did under Emory. And you're sitting there telling that story. I'm just cringing. Like, just at the thought, like, <laughs> just just imagine, like, I'm sitting there looking at Phil Emery's face. Well, you, you and it's like, you have got to be kidding me. The best part of the story, uh, and, you know, I won't say who it was, but you can probably figure it out. There was a one of the employees for the Bears said that he was sitting there listening. You know, he got to sit in for all, all the uh, conferences, and he said when, when Bruce Arians left, he wanted to run through a brick wall through him for him uh you know he was just that pumped up about what you know the the press that that mock press conference that arians gave he knew that arians was the guy and he said i knew then that they weren't going to hire him because he was just too damn good and he said he saw exactly what we saw in mark Tressman, just this science teacher up there on the podium uh who wasn't going to relate to the to the players and he you know it's just funny he knew that arians was so perfect for the team that the bears were going to screw it up and that's exactly what they did so don't do it again. That's all I'm saying. Oh, man, that is that is so brutal. Like, 
just just the thought process because I've always Emery always struck me as one of those guys who thought he was like the smartest one in the room. And oh yeah. Whatever else, but it's like, dude, you've got to be kidding me! Like your highest qualification is how you can handle a press conference with the media, not coaching your players, not your resume, not the fact that you just won uh, NFL Coach of the Year, you know, anything like that. But we're going to go ahead and judge everything off of the fact that you didn't do what we wanted in a press. That that's crazy. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't think know, Ryan Pace is that guy, but oh. Oh my God! If he is, and I'm oh, oh man, I, I, I can't I, even explain to you how I'll feel. Right, and that, that's what I mean. Like, did you, just if you're Ted Thompson, you know, if you're George McCaskey, if anybody above Jim Ryan Pace is paying attention, I'm not sure they are. But if anybody up there is paying attention, you know, make sure don't you don't need Ernie Corsi shouldn't be needed in this situation. Get if Ryan Pace is. Uh, a competent GM, he should be able to make this decision. He should be able to make a good one. And if he doesn't, then he's gone. And then you got to start over at the GM position, and that sucks. But then you don't have the right guy. You can't continue to go down the wrong path. So, uh, you know, I think the fake mock press conference is a sign that it's the wrong path. <laughs> don't go down there. I actually have a whole lot of more uh, Phil Emery stories than I could uh, probably ever tell. Uh, on the podcast because uh, there's some a lot of behind the scenes stuff, but but to your point of, of of him being the smartest guy in the room, he used to give us and and this is something that a lot of GM GMs are known to do. They they'll give you behind the, uh, off the record talks and they'll answer your questions. You can't report about it and you can ask them. Uh, you know, as if you guys were sitting around a couple of drinks, and Emery would do this on occasion with us, and he would he would speak to us exactly the same way that he was at a, at a press conference, as if there were cameras on, and he would tell us nothing, and it was all this just this big ruse that he would play, and yeah, I think you know it was another it was another situation where you know it was very 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 clear that uh, the guy was in over his head and 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 wasn't wasn't focused on the right things. If anybody ever wants to sit around and have a beer with me, I have some stories about Phil Emery that uh, would really make your eyes open as to just how unqualified uh, he was for that position. But, hey, we, uh, before we get out of here, I did. Uh, I asked you earlier, is it going uh, to be Monday or is it going to be Tuesday? Uh, or is it going to be right after the season ends? Are they going to fire him? I mean, are, are we going to get it? Because when they did it with Lovey Smith, they did it like 3, 4 in the morning. Do you remember that? Yeah, I, I remember that, and if I remember right, I think it was the it was also Monday. It was right it was that after Monday yeah, that they it was Monday that they fired uh, Emery and um, yeah. and Trestman too. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Monday. Uh, you know, and the bad thing about this is is that New Year's Eve is Sunday night. So yeah. for all you Bears fans out there, Jeremy, for you especially, man, because you're probably gonna be at House Hall. I would not make too many plans for New Year's Eve and probably not get too drunk. Well, the good, uh, the good thing is I have two young kids, so that's really New Year's Eve doesn't mean <laughs> a whole lot to me anymore. That's it, guys. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us the last 45 minutes. Hopefully it wasn't too depressing, but I do think that uh, change is about to come, and hopefully it's going to be positive change. At least it won't be a boring offseason, that's for sure. Please give Aaron a follow on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can follow me at Bear Report. Check out all our work at BearReport.com as well as our Bear Report Facebook page. You can talk to us every day at the BearReport.com uh, message boards. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you again on Thursday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.